The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey there. Welcome to the special edition of The Shaleen Show. It's really special for me, and it's, I think, going to be very powerful for you. Thank you for being here, and thank you for believing in yourself. The year was 1997. Brett and I had been married for about two years. We had one child. That was Brock. Now, I grew up watching infomercials and QVC. I grew up in the Midwest, and it's kind of just one of those things that we did in the 80s and 90s. So I watched a lot of Tony Robbins on late night TV. I watched him on QVC. My dad always had business books. He had books by Dale Carnegie. He had other great books that were really motivational and a few business books. He had a book by Tony Robbins, and I remember when I was in college, I read, I think it was Unlimited Power, one of his early books. But social media just wasn't a thing then. Podcasts didn't even exist. Isn't that crazy to imagine? I can't imagine that today because I get so much of my self-education through podcasts, through audiobooks, through YouTube videos. I mean, everything online, even watching people's IGTVs. But oh, now I'm really dating myself. Back then, really the only way I remember taking in personal development was by listening to AM radio or by actually reading books, not just listening to books, like reading books. And Tony was one of those books that had a pretty profound impact on me. So now I'm flash forward, married for two years, living in a house that we can barely pay for, but also knowing, like, how do I get out of this? How do I make my life better? How do I learn to focus? That was my really big question. Having ADHD, I just couldn't finish a project. I couldn't stick to something long enough. And whenever I wanted to do something bigger, I would become overwhelmed by the process. And I would start it and then easily get distracted or lose my confidence because all the steps became too overwhelming. I knew I had to learn how to do something I didn't yet know how to do. I knew I wasn't dumb, but I was also very aware that I didn't have the skill. So when I saw this seminar was coming to town in California, it was in Anaheim, California, and the price of the tickets were actually affordable. I know they were under 100 bucks. Now, granted, they were the nosebleed seats. No joke. I remember a bird flying by. I was sitting next to my friend Denise Williams, who went with me, and Brett went with me, too. It was the first time I'd ever seen people who were where I wanted to be speaking and sharing their knowledge. I remember sitting there thinking, this can't be true. And by that, I meant how and why? Why are these people explaining exactly how they've done what they've done? Like, why are they sharing all of their secrets? That just blew me away. Now, today, we might take that for granted, again, because of social media and podcasts and all this information. But to my knowledge, to that point in my life, the only access I ever had to people teaching live and in public and in person was when I was in college and we were learning about philosophy and democracy and like really boring things, not like specifically about how to change your life and how 
the steps, the exact steps, like where to start and how to do this and how to structure your day and, and like literally right down to the nitty gritty habits that I needed to learn. Before I left that conference, I actually invested in audio cassette trainings from Brian Tracy. Yes, cassettes. And I drove around in my Jeep Cherokee and I listened to those cassettes over and over and over again to the point that his words, I started to believe they were my own. Like, I hate to say this, but I sometimes have total empathy when I hear that like a certain author has plagiarized someone. Like, Okay, like I'm not excusing plagiarism, but like there have been times where I've accidentally quoted Brian Tracy and I've quoted him so many times that then I suddenly can't remember like, wait a second, is that Brian Tracy's quote or is that my quote? I digress. Listen, when I left that event, I didn't know it was a life-changing event. I would have told you, oh yeah, it was good. It was good. The power of it really didn't sink in for years to come. Most notably, one year later, when I found a list of 10 goals that I had written while I was at that conference, and absolutely every single one of them had come true except for the last one. The last one on the list was to have my own business be so successful that we were able to sell the house that we were in and buy a big house with a big yard and a big pool. And you guessed it, I found that list on the day that I was packing a drawer that I hadn't opened in over a year, and I was packing because we were moving. Since that time, I have learned the power of putting my plan in writing, of understanding what it takes to design a life that I want to live, the freedom by my definition, like what's important to me and how I want to honor that and how I want to live my life. And just, I call it a crazy, ridiculous, amazing, fun-filled life. And so many of those principles I learned from going to that conference and then following the strategies of Tony Robbins, of Brian Tracy, and many of the other greats that I heard speak on that stage that day. I remember putting in writing that I would one day speak on the same stage as Tony Robbins. Did that happen five years later or 15 years later? Nope. But now, more than 20 years later, I can say that I'm an eight-figure earner, that I'm happily married, I've got two incredibly successful kids, and I've got this freedom and this the ability to care for family in a way that so many others just do not, and I do not take it for granted, and I cannot believe that now more than 20 years later, things have come full circle, and I'm about to introduce to you Tony Robbins on my podcast, and he's invited me to be a part of something that I hope will change many of your lives in much the same way attending that seminar did for me that day. I want to invite you to be part of a five-day live challenge that I'm doing with Tony and Dean Graciosi and countless other incredible business and life strategists. I want to invite you to be a part of that, and you can do so for free. All you have to do is go to ownit24.com. The good news is that it's free, and the bad news is that it's free, because when things are free, oftentimes people, they don't take them as seriously as they need to. So while I kind of wish that there was a fee for this, there isn't one. So I'm asking you to commit. And the best way to do that is by inviting somebody to do it with you who will hold you accountable. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Tony Robbins. Thank you so much for being here today. And this is a full circle moment for me. I really do think that it is just such a powerful thing to be able to spend this time with you and that like the beauty of social media that others can listen in on this conversation and just hear something that changes their lives. So thank you for this opportunity. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. 
One of the first things I wanted to talk to you about is something that my listener is often struggling with, this belief that they have to find their purpose. And that word, I think, is often thrown around and, you know, it's been mangled almost where we feel like there's going to be this knock at the door and it's going to be this huge thing. And we worry, is the thing that I'm interested in, is it big enough? Is this my purpose? What are some of the biggest misconceptions we have when it comes to finding our purpose? It sounds like just by the way you asked the question, you and I are pretty aligned on this. Well, first of all, the desire for a purpose, what is a purpose? It's just having something meaningful, having your life be meaningful, something beyond yourself. That's all it really is, right? And so the drive to have that, I think, is, is one of the great human qualities. Like what makes somebody a great human being is love, that they care about something more than themselves. I always say to people, you know, life is not about me. So I told my kids, it's about we. It's about, you know, life is not, what do I get? It's what I'm here to give. And when you learn that, you feel such joy in your life because you get a spiritual, emotional joy that you can't get from intellectual joy. So I, I just want to honor all of your listeners and viewers for wanting to find that. But I think what we've done with our culture is we really mess people up around this. It's like, oh, I got to find my purpose. Is this, like you said, is this enough? Is it big enough? So, you know, I think part of this is culturally conditioned and a large part of it comes from the world we live in now with social media where everybody's comparing themselves to somebody else and they're not really comparing to another human. They're comparing to the way that person projects themselves. True. All the research right now, I'm sure you've seen the social dilemma. There's all these people manipulating the game to get you to think and feel and be angry about certain things, excited by another, and they're worth almost a trillion dollars by that manipulation. So our brains, our dopamine categories are being done. And then there's just the normal keeping up with the Joneses, which is magnified by social media. Yeah. So here's my view, and it's only my view. I'm not saying it's the right view. Who's to say you have one purpose? You know, I'm fortunate enough to be 61 years old. I've got five children. I just, I'm so thrilled. I've got my four-week-old daughter. She's four weeks old tomorrow. Oh so it's like, I've been through a lot of stages. I've buried, I've had four fathers. I've buried five parents. I was told I'm going to die because I got a tumor in my brain. I've had companies near the edge of bankruptcy. I turned around. I mean, when you live enough life, things get put in perspective. And I've always been purpose-driven, so I can relate. But when I was really young, my whole thing was like, okay, here's my purpose. My purpose statement is to be God's greatest example of love and generosity and to serve people and to find the answers and help millions of people. And it went on for 35 minutes, this little mission statement. <laughs> I would read over and over again and like, yeah. am I doing enough? And I, and I judge myself. You know, at this stage of my life, you know what I found out is my, my purpose is to help. It's like, how could I help? That's my number one question in life. Like, that's why I'm with you right now. It's why anybody on the street and get when then your purpose, when you know your purpose is just to serve, then all of a sudden you realize that as you go through life, you develop different insights, abilities, life experiences that can help you serve someone else. And they don't have to go through that pain. And there's no greater feeling than to serve. So now my whole thing is I can help. I can help the mailman with a smile or a conversation. I can help someone change their life. I can help someone turn their business around. I can help my kids with some love or some attention or focus or whatever. I can help myself. So I think we made it so big and it's so judgmental that we've gotten in our heads and we're out of our hearts. Mm -hmm. And you're in your purpose when you're just doing something that feels right, that serves not just you, but serves others. That's it. One of the greatest purposes on life, and I, and I, I have so much respect for women, I'm not saying that because you're a lady or you have ladies on your line, but it's just, I want you to know, I've always had it, but just having another child, 
I have another level. No man will ever fully appreciate what a woman's body does, what she goes through biochemically, what she yeah. goes through great birth, and then even after the birth, to be able, if you're breastfeeding every three hours, I mean, it's unbelievable what women do. Right. But I hear women say, yeah, but I don't have a purpose. Like, holy shit, how many purposes do you have if you're honest with yourself? Most of you have so many roles. Most women, they're trying to be a good daughter and they're trying to be a good sister and they're trying to be a great businesswoman and trying to be a great mom and trying to be a great lover. And like, come on. Yeah. Like, be kinder to yourself and you're going to find your purpose flows a lot more. You know, and the, I'm personally Christian, but I don't tell people what to believe. And I study every philosophy and every religion because all religion or philosophy is supposed to be is give you a game plan for having a better quality of life and being a better human being. So even if I don't agree with the thought process or belief structures or stories or dogma of something, I want to know the principles. And so if you go to India, which I do quite a bit because I take people, like I take really wealthy people to a place called Varanasi. And Varanasi is a 3,900-year-old city, one of the oldest in the world. It's known because they burn bodies 24 hours a day there because in the Hindu religion, when you die, they burn the body and they believe that if you die in Varanasi, there's like 300 million gods there, 300 million different gods. Everybody has their own God. But if you have one approach, it's like you give up your money to be spiritual. Other one is you make money to be spiritual. Another one is you do physical yoga to be spiritual. Other people, they study the religious text. They all have different beliefs, but they agree on one thing. If you die in Varanasi, you go to Nirvana, the version of heaven, which is they believe in rebirth. So if you don't come back, you made it to heaven. It's a good deal. So I tell you all that because... They burn bodies 24 hours a day. People go there to die because they believe if I die there, they go to heaven. Right, lottery. You see the most ill, sick people everywhere in Varanasi. And they're so freaking happy. Mm. And I see people all over Western culture that have everything to be happy about, but they're busy going, but I don't know what my purpose is. <laughs> and they're miserable. Yeah, yeah. Right? You're using a mental construct. And when they have a funeral there, they burn the body. It's mind-boggling. Right there in front of you, I watch this grandkid and his grandmother, and no one's crying. Because their belief is the body is like the t-shirt. You burn it, and then the spirit is free. So our beliefs control the quality of our life, guys. And if your belief is, I don't have a purpose, I don't have my purpose, then you're going to have stress constantly looking for something that might right be in front of you, and it's going to evolve. It's going to change and improve. And in their culture, they believe there are four aims of life. And this might be helpful for your listeners or viewers. Mm -hmm. The first aim of life is called, I think the term is Artha, A-R-T-H-A is how it's spelled. And what it means is prosperity or security. That it is spiritual to figure out how to take care of your family and yourself. It is spiritual because it creates the base for all your spiritual giving to have a base of success of some sort. And finding useful work that's meaningful to you and meaningful to others and you're paid for and allows you to have prosperity they believe is the first aim of life, and they believe it's a spiritual game, whereas many of us go, oh, you're focused on your business, you're not being spiritual. That's all this mental bullshit that our culture brings that has nothing to do with reality. Mm. Reality is, if you're able to take care of yourself and your family well, you're probably going to make it to the second level or the second aim quicker. You're not limited to that timing, but the second aim they call Kama, K-A-M-A, and it means pleasure. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to have this security, but you don't have pleasure, you don't have much. And a lot of people right. do. That's right. Our society is filled with people that have security. Maybe not the level they want, because everybody wants more in our society, but very few people don't survive in American culture. Right? You know, you used to hear people talking about the 1% and those terrible 1% people maybe sitting out in Wall Street in their, well, I forget the name of the brand, the tent that's the most expensive in the world, typing on their iPhone, which costs more than most people make in a year. Yeah. Right? 
Listen, two-thirds the planet lives on $2 a day. That's remarkable. And they're drinking a coffee that costs four bucks from Starbucks or maybe more, talking about the 1%. You are the 1%. Mm-hmm. If you're in poverty in this country, you're in the 1% of earners in the world. Now, I don't want you to be in poverty, but let's just get a reality check about where we stand. So when it comes to understanding, like, okay, how do I have this? Well, you got to enjoy what you have or what good is it? That's you right. got to enjoy that level of prosperity or security rather than saying, oh, I'll have that when I get next level, next level, next level. That's their belief. And then if you do that, the third level that I'm sure many of your listeners or viewers is familiar with is called Dharma. Mm-hmm. The third aim of life. That's finding your truth, finding your purpose. Mm. But they say you may discover that sooner, but usually you find it when you've produced a certain amount of security or prosperity and you found more pleasure in the little things, then purpose opens to you. Mm. because you have a foundation. Otherwise, you're so stressed all the time seeing if you're enough that you don't have a base, you don't have a base of pleasure. And so you're really just doing purpose as a way to try to get something and be enough. Yeah. And you're not when you're doing it from that place. Purpose is like, just comes naturally when you start realizing, gosh, there's so many purposes and how gorgeous is it? God's given me a purpose to have this conversation right now. Or God's had this conversation because you're sharing something with me. What a cool thing. And I'm going to learn that and take that. I'm going to help somebody I love. Like everything had, what if everything had a purpose? What everything, what if your worst day was your best day? What if my core belief is life is always happening for me, not to me? And I had to train myself because shit, life looks like it's happening to you a lot. Right. But if you force yourself, you'll find how it's happening for you. Yeah. And when that happens, your whole world will change. So my argument is there are so many purposes Drop this whole story about purpose. Go build some security and prosperity. Go find more pleasure in every day. I don't just mean like sexual pleasure. I mean music. I mean your family. I mean your friendships. I mean learning. I mean growing. Like instead of being these people that are constantly judging everything else and saying why they don't have what they want because of somebody else who thinks differently, which is what social media seems to be about, one side or the other is attacking. What if you just started to find the joy in it all? Then you're, you're going to start having a higher purpose in a conversation. And it doesn't have to be the one thing that defines you. And you know what's ironic is that happens. You're probably going to find a couple things that are the dominant purpose of your life once you do that. By the way, once you have your dharma, it leads, they believe, to what they call moksha. M-O-K-S-H-A is how it's spelled. Moksha. And that is self-realization. That's where you feel connected to God all the time. That's where... It's no longer a fear place. That's where freedom is. And that comes from building the security, enjoying every aspect of life and training yourself to enjoy because the brain's always looking for what's wrong. It's not being one of those people blaming other people while you don't have what you want or blaming the system because blame will never lead to pleasure or pride. The pleasure you get from blaming is not real pleasure. It's just trying to get away from the fact that you're judging yourself so much by judging someone else. The only pride comes from contributing something meaningful, from growing. It's like, yes, purpose and progress. That's what's going to give you an extraordinary life. That's what's going to get you. We feel more aliveness, more God, more universe, more whatever you want to call it. We got to make progress because progress is what makes us happy. Mm. But if it's purposeful progress, then we're even more happy. You've said a couple of things that I keep going back to. So number one, I love the idea that you have more than one purpose. And especially when you think about how you serve and help others everyone who's listening right now. There's so many different ways, so many variety of ways that you serve and help others that might not be tied to that other term that you mentioned several times, which was security and or prosperity. Yes. So 
I guess I would, for clarity's sake, if I'm just embracing the ways that I can help others and that I can serve others, do I also need to think about, okay, and how can I create prosperity from this? How can I create financial security from this? And do I start with that? Or do I start with just the joy of serving and, you know, how I feel maybe called to do this or it's easier for me? You're asking a good question because you need both, right? You know that. I tell people to have an extraordinary life. You need two master skills, two skills you master. One is the science of achievement. How do I take what I envision, what I want to make happen and turn in reality, not just manage my circumstances, but how do I take what God or the universe has given me and create it? Right? That's a science because you can duplicate it. If you see someone else who's lost 50 pounds and kept it off for 10 years, they're not lucky. They're doing something different than you. You all, oh, but my biochemistry is different. That's true. But there's someone in your biochemistry, many, who've turned it around. They just did something different than you. But if you don't believe that, you're just going to go, oh, I'm big bone. That's what I used to tell myself when I was 38 pounds heavier than I am now, right? I'm big bone. Yes, I am big bone, but I'm 38 pounds lighter than I was, right? So, One of those is like, if you want wealth, financial abundance, security, prosperity, whatever level it is you're looking for, success leaves clues. There are people that have done it. You can model them. So that's kind of creating the vehicle for that Arthur, that security and prosperity component. But if everything I'm doing is like, can I do this so I can make money? Then I'm missing out on the more valuable second skill of life. And the second master skill is the art of fulfillment. And it's an art. Notice I didn't call it a science. And that's by direct conscious awareness because science is something you do the same way and get the same result. I can do that with your body. We can do that with finances. We do a lot of things. Your business. I have 80 companies now. Why? I figured out the science about it. We do $6 billion in business. I don't have a business degree, right? I'm doing it radically different. So I own sports teams and I own AI companies and I have a resort in Fiji. It's like it's massively diverse. But I figured out the core patterns. It's a science. So I can do it with anything. That's how I train business people to grow their business 130% six months like clockwork. $100 million business, billion dollar business, brand new business. Because the fundamentals are there. It's a science. But fulfillment is an art, meaning it's different for everybody. You can't just copy somebody else. Because what's going to fulfill you is going to be different than one of your listeners or me or, or even your best friend, potentially. You might have certain things in common, but there's unique things that are going to make you feel alive. They're going to make you feel grateful. They're going to make you feel like the life is so blessed. And like some people can look at an orange square and spend, I have a friend that paid $58 million for a red square. It's called a Rothko, right? And he stares at this thing and has an <laughs> orgasm, basically. I, I look at it and go, they missed some spots, right? You know, yeah. It's a red square. What the hell? And I'm not making fun of them right now. I'm just yeah. saying... He's fulfilled by that, and we're all fulfilled by different things. If you don't know what God or the universe loves, go to any forest, and what do you see? Massive diversity. Yes, there's similarities, but every leaf, every snowflake, every everything is unique in some way. And so our capacity to find what uniquely fulfills us is important. Now, there's no laws to that, but there's a couple of principles I can give you to help them okay. be more fulfilled. Number one, I'm taking notes. Number one is you got to grow. If you stop growing, you will be unhappy. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how many trophies you have or Oscars or how many people tell you you're the greatest thing in the world or you're so beautiful. How do we know we're growing? You know you're growing when you're facing things that make you uncomfortable on a regular basis and you conquer them. Thank there you. is no other way. Okay. If you're doing shit that's easy, there's not much growth. Thank you. It's facing what you're afraid of. It's facing what's uncomfortable. It's learning to master things that are messy. It's being willing to fail and know it's not failure. It's learning and saying, okay, that didn't work. So I didn't fail. I learned. What did I learn? It's only failure if you don't learn. 
And most people are so afraid to fail that they don't grow. Right. Now, I had a friend, I remember we went and did this, I had this ropes course and I was doing a program. He's a very famous and very powerful guy. And we had this ropes course that was unique. It wasn't just climbing a pole. It was these poles and you had to get on this rope and you were far enough apart where you could touch hands. And then it got further and further and further and closer and closer. And you had to figure out how to balance each other with nothing to touch but yourself in midair with nothing to stand up on a rope. Not an easy task. Right. So we inched out about, I don't know, three feet, slammed to the ground. And I was like, oh, let's get up and do it again. And he looked at me and said, what, what are you talking about? We just did it. I said, no, we didn't do a good job. He goes, yeah, but we, we didn't do well, Tony. He's like, you know, we don't want to do it again. I said, that's why I want to do it again. I want to do it again so we get good. Mm. Like, how else are we going to get good? Most that's people, right. like, when, when most people start their business or get started, they don't have a lot to lose, truthfully. But then where they really get screwed up is when they're successful. Because now they're successful. Now they got a brand and they got a certain amount of money. And said, like, I don't want to screw this up. And they, and they lose all the joy that got them started when they were willing to take risks and feel fully alive. I mean, think about it. Passion is not found in something that's predictable over and over and over and over. Anything's predictable over and over again will give you certainty, but it's not going to give you passion. Passion is found in the realm of uncertainty. Mm. Passion is found when you don't know what's going to happen. Passion is found when you're scared shitless and you push through it, mm. right? Aliveness is found by facing what you fear. And my whole thing is face something each day if you can that's uncomfortable and push through it. And after a while, it's harder and harder to find things to push through. You just Now it's more about new challenges, new understanding, new levels. It's not so much fearful, but that's how you make sure you grow. But if you're growing, yes. that's taking on those new challenges, you'll have more to give. And when you give is when you feel most alive. And, you know, women know this instinctively. And again, I'm not placating because you're a woman. I'm just telling you truthfully. I try to help men understand this, but it's wired into you biochemically or we wouldn't have survived as a species. And think about what a woman's got to give or give through so, it, so that we as a species can survive. It's insane. Yeah. But you know the joy if you become a mother of what it takes to give. That You'll give anything for this child. It's like, it's like if nothing else matters by comparison. Your body, your, nothing, your sleep. It's all there. Mm-hmm. And it's such a beautiful moment of life because it's so completely humane and human, like human at its deepest level. It's spiritual. It's alive because it isn't about you. And that's the part that most of us are missing today because of all the conditioning of modern culture that's like, am I enough? How do I prove I'm enough? How do I virtual signal that I'm enough? Yes. How do I compare other people? And that's a disaster. All it do is make you miserable. Focus on growing and giving in areas that you enjoy. And you will be fulfilled. Focus on what you want and how to study it and master it. And you will have that security and prosperity. And you don't need to mix the two. And by the way, you can't. To me, I don't have to work another day in my life. I haven't ever worked another day in my life for 20 years. But I work harder now than I ever did when I supposedly needed to work. Because I do what I love for a higher purpose. It's more meaningful. And what is it? What is business? Business, if you're successful is you're doing more for others than anybody else. It's the only way you prosper. Wow. If you do that consistently, you build a brand. And if you do that for decades, you become iconic, right? You become an icon that everybody else compares you to because you've added so much value every time. You've always kept growing and adding more value, growing, adding more value. Until now, it's like you get to call the shots in your life. And everyone can do that in any niche they want. There's so many niches. It could be knowing how to get eczema out of your child. It could be knowing how to do social media marketing. So what are your thoughts on traditional education, like a college education versus self-education? Today, 
the biggest growing business in the world is even more so it's been accelerated by what happened with the COVID shutdown. It's the self-education business. Right. You're in it. Yeah. I've had the privilege of being in it for 43, 44 years now. 44 years. And when I started, you couldn't do what you're doing right now. You had to become a TV anchor to do what you're doing right now. Absolutely. And there's a limited number of stations. And I'm sure you would have done it. I'm sure you're a sharp lady, Shaleen, but it wouldn't be easy. And there's a limited resource. Yeah. Today, anybody can do it. Like if I wanted to fill a seminar, I had to go rent the hotel, spend all this money. I had to go buy, make brochures, get them printed up. Then I pay all this money. It's free to mail them. It's free to make it. You don't have to go rent any. I mean, literally anyone can be. And that's why this industry, this industry is growing like this. Why is it growing like this? It's growing like this because you don't need inventory and any human can do it. And we're all starving for answers and traditional schooling. We all know it's a shambles now. There's 111 universities that have over a billion dollar endowment, some four, five, six billion. What is that for? They're hedge funds attached to a school where they make money. Why do they make money? Because the federal government decided to guarantee everybody's education. So they said it's guaranteed. Let's raise our prices, raise our prices. They raised their prices twice the, for 30 years, twice the pace of inflation. The average kid has $30,000 in debt right now, 1.6 trillion. And what did they learn? The Fed now tells us the statistics are out there. Almost half of them do not work in a position where a college degree is needed. But here's what's even worse. I just saw the statistic. I just wrote it down. 73%, 73% of college graduates are not working in a field they studied. Sure. And that means only 27% are, and check this out, 52% reporting hating what they do, not liking, hating what hating. they do for a living. And they got all this debt for that. So I've had the privilege of being self-educated, meaning I chose self-education primarily because of my economic challenge. I was trying to get a scholarship to USC, and then I had to work to support my family. So I went to work. But then I said, I don't have to wait to go to school and have someone else to teach me what to learn. I'm going to learn. And in those days, I'm old enough to go to libraries and shit like that. Today, anything you want to learn, if you're in Kenya and you've got a cell phone, you can study at MIT and Harvard. Or you can study those that are actually doing it, which is, I think, what most people want today. Most people want someone who's not going to philosophize with them, who's going to show them what they actually did to succeed. And that's what my business is. Tangible. Something that actually works for me. And, and something it's that proven. I can do today. That's right. You know, I'm glad you mentioned, you know, some of the differences between men and women, because I do think that we often dismiss the very real feeling as a woman, it's primitive, it's primal, it's intrinsic, that you feel this need to care for your family. And then at the same time, you also see these incredible opportunities. And I know that many women will hear, and men too, will hear that you have 80 businesses and thousands of employees. And when they think of themselves- And five kids and five grandkids and a wife. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I think that can be very intimidating to that person who's already feeling spread too thin with too many demands and they're already feeling like they don't measure up. And the thought of doing more might just be that obstacle that like, I'm already not doing what I'm doing right now. Well, what do they need to know about this idea that you have the ability to make your life better? Tony, what are your thoughts when it comes to work-life balance or like integrating our life with our work? I'd say it's two things. You know, you hear people talk about creating life-work balance. And there's life-work integration. And, you know, one of the people that I think embodies this most is actually a woman I know is I have 
unbelievable respect for. She's a dear friend. That's Mary Callahan Erdos. If you don't know her name, she's probably one of the single most influential people in Can you finance. Say it again? She's Mary Callahan Erdos. She's the head of JP Morgan, CEO of JP Morgan, oversees a team of people that manage 2.7 trillion with a T, trillion dollars in investments. And the reason Mary Callahan Erdos is so, Mary's just such an incredible leader is she takes the qualities that women have learned of caring and compassion. I have those qualities too. It's not limited to women. I don't want to make right. it sound like that. Right. It's just, I developed those capacities. Maybe part of it was inborn into me. I don't know. I've developed plenty of my feminine in order to be able to do what I do. I can only be masculine. I couldn't reach everybody. Right. And I think everyone can do that. So I don't want to make it sound like it's a limit men can't do, but her biochemistry and her socialization both have made her this and her standards made her this incredibly caring executive. Like when I was waiting to interview her the first time, I remember I was talking to the guy who was setting up the interview and he was saying, you know, I get to do this interview today because, you know, Mary heard that when I went to school, I wanted to do this and I've been working this other division and she pulled me aside one day and we we're talking and she said, I heard when someone used to do this. She goes, we're going to do this podcast thing. How would you like to take that over? She was like, how does she have time to do that with all these other people. Now, some of your people listening, well, I'm not Mary Calanero, so I can't do all those things. You've got to remember, it's start where you are, and it keeps expanding if you keep increasing your growth and your skills. But her mindset comes from her life experience. Her life experience was going to her dad was in the financial business, and she never expected him to be home. She knew he was going to be working all the time, so she he invited her to come with her. She hung out with her dad at the office. She went there. She sat behind his desk. She envisioned all these things. And now here she is the most powerful, at least one of the most powerful women in all the finance in the world, but she never lost the touch of the caring and love that makes her such a great leader, like her compassion and care. She's strong. Don't get me wrong. She has all the strength. But to me, real great leadership is love and strength. She goes, it's work-life integration. She goes, I bring my kids, you know, to the office. I've made deals here and uh, I'm CEO, but I can leave at a certain time for certain key events. And I do, and she goes, I, and I don't feel the pull I used to feel. Sometimes I do, it's natural, but she goes, but I feel like I have all these parts of me that are being fully developed and I'm serving my kids and my family and I'm serving the business people. Now, for those that are overwhelmed already with one child or two, sure. or a single oh, yeah. mom at home trying to figure out what the hell to do, and then COVID shuts you down and you're supposed to run your business or you're supposed to run your job from home with two screaming children, I understand. I understand more than you think. Maybe not the same as you are, but you know, I got a four week old right now, right behind me here. And I understand, like I have a current understanding of what you're going right. through. But I want you to know there are skills that can allow you to do more with less time and less energy and be more fulfilled. And I developed one of those by changing one simple thing I'll give you real quick. Okay. I realized early on I had one little company and I had like five employees and I was trying to start this other little thing and I was trying to, you know, be a strong human being. And all of a sudden I got four kids instantly. I, I married a woman and been married twice before me. So I was 24 and had a 17 year old, an 11 year old, a five year old from two different husbands she had and then my own on the way. So I want you to know I understand juggling, right? right? But what I had to do is I took this time management course. It was called Time Bank. And it showed you how to prioritize what you want, make your A, Bs, and Cs, and one, two, threes, and have this whole black system and this book you carried around with you. And, and I did it all, but you know what happened? Within about three months, I was ready to pull my hair out. Okay. Because there's way more than I could possibly do in any day. Can you relate? Yeah, absolutely. If you're an achiever, there's always more than you can do. Right. So I started looking at this whole system, and I started looking at every other time management system, and I realized 
that the quality of our life is the quality of our thinking because that creates how we feel, right? And our thinking is controlled. What is thinking? I just demonstrated it. What is thinking? It's like, I ask myself, what is thinking? I go, what am I doing right now? I'm asking a question and answering it. Is that what thinking is? Well, that's another question. But that's not really what thinking is, is it? Well, that's another question. Thinking is nothing but asking and answering questions. But some people ask really lousy questions regularly. Like, why can't I do this? Why do I have to be put through this? What's wrong with me? Right? Why is this always happening? Because you deserve it. Because our brain's a computer. You ask a lousy question. If you say, how can I lose weight? You'll say, well, you go on a diet and exercise. You know, I don't want to do that. But a better question, like, have I ever really been fit and enjoyed what I was doing? And I go, wow, I played racquetball back then. And I was enjoying myself. And I didn't even think about losing weight. And it was a great way. Like, if you ask a better question, you're going to get a better answer. But most people have presuppositions, belief systems. They've told themselves over and over again, like, there's not enough time in the day. I'm so stressed out. These kids are making me crazy. I love them, but I can't start a business too. I don't know where to start. I wouldn't know where to begin. And they say this story over and over again until they're hypnotized. And then you believe it. And by the way, there's always evidence. If I watch, I'll try something with you right now. Close your eyes. Everybody at home, including yourself, if you're willing to, Shaleen. Thank you. Look around. In fact, open your eyes for a second. Look around your room and see everything that's brown. I'm going to give you a test. Don't miss anything that's brown. Look, look behind you. Look around you. Everyone, look around your room. Find everything that's brown. Okay, close your eyes. Okay, now tell me everything in your room that's red. If you're seeing more brown now, which I can tell by even your face, mm -hmm. that makes sense because you get what you look for. Now watch this. Everyone open your eyes, including yourself, sharing, look for red. Look for red. Look for red. Look behind you. Look around you. Look for red. Look for any portion of red, red, red. For red, did you, find, did you find more red this time? A lot more, yeah. I, I thought there yes, was none in here. <laughs> and you thought there was none in there, but there's plenty. There's a whole set of books behind you of different colors of red. But tell me, you found more red, why? Because you told me to look for it. Well, because you were looking for it. I may have told you, but you were willing to, right? You look for it. So I want you to understand, asking you shall receive, seeking you shall find. Or another way of saying this is, you get whatever you look for, even if what you look for is crappy. Mm. I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to all your listeners right now, our viewers. How many of you are an honest answer in your mind, and Shailene for you as well, how many saw something beige, called it brown, just so you could feel successful? <laughs> <laughs> how many saw something burgundy, called it red, just so you could count more sure, things? Sure. So once we decide how life is, bad or good, we look for and we color things to match our beliefs so that we can feel comfortable with our sense of certainty. But growth comes when you start to question your limiting beliefs. When you start to say, I've been saying, how many times a day do I tell myself how stressed I am? Well, no wonder I'm freaking stressed. Maybe what I really am is energized. Maybe there's a feeling in me that if I put a smile next to this, and I know that sounds stupid, but research showed you change your physical face. It changes the biochemistry in your head. And think about it right now. Everybody at home, try this. Get yourself in a state of tension. Like you feel a state of tension, right? A state of tension. Now put a huge grin on your face, exaggerated smile on your face. And what does it become? Huge smile. What does it become? What do you feel, Shailene, when you start to do that? Awkward. You gotta breathe. Stop breathing. <laughs> I didn't say stop breathing. <laughs> True. <laughs> what do you start to feel when that big smile shows in your face? And there's you, just, you don't feel the stress. You don't feel the tension. It actually, if you keep doing it, it becomes excitement. Excitement, actually, if you think about it, with no tension, there's no excitement. Yeah. It's like it's intention with all these other triggers. What you focus on, what you do with your face and your body, that's what creates it. So many people, they struggle with, I mean, they know what they want to do, but the how becomes their obstacle. 
So what advice do you have for those people who like the how is the thing that's stopping them? So we have habits. Like, oh, I don't know where to start. Like, I'll, I'll tell you the number one thing that's a way of, of women and men. This isn't just women. They'll say, I don't know where to start. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Oh, my gosh. I, I don't, so I, I, I don't have the history. I don't know the background. Well, I didn't have any of these things either. The only difference was I didn't get hooked up in what I call the tyranny of how. Mm, okay. The tyranny of how. What is the tyranny of how? It means most people get excited about a goal. I'm going to do this. And then their brain goes, but how? And you go, shit, I don't know. I've never done this before. Right. And that's right? how they stop. And then you produce a state of uncertainty. In a state of uncertainty, you do nothing. Or you do a little or you try, which never works. Because when you're uncertain and you do something, even if you do the right thing, you don't execute it well. And then your brain goes, see, it didn't work. And then you try less because you don't think it's going to work. And you execute even more weak. And then all of a sudden, you're on the downward spiral. And you go, oh, it's a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Right? I tell people, screw how. If you want to see what a great leader does, they have no clue how. They just decide what's going to happen. Yep. They're creators, not managers. So you look back and you see John F. Kennedy going, in this decade, we're going to put a man on the moon and return him safely to the earth. Obviously, that's not his sound, but I'm giving you the words. <laughs> and the people of NASA are like, is the president insane? We can't take somebody to the moon and back. We have technology even close to that. But he said, this is what we're going to do. And he would accept nothing else. And people got creative. And with one one thousandth the power of your telephone in your pocket, which you probably don't think it was a phone, but that little thing in your pocket you once in a while call on and do everything else on. One thousandth that power, we sent a man on the moon and back again. When you know, Martin Luther King talked about his dream, by the way, it's not a dream of equal outcomes. It was a dream of equal opportunity. It's where people were judged by the quality of their character, not by the color of their skin that somehow some people seem to want to return to. Yeah. Right? That's the real Jim Groves, right? What plan did he have when he said, I want to have white boys and black boys and girls and we live together and I have this dream of this equal opportunity. He had no plan. He was a leader. He had a vision. He didn't know the how. He knew the how would come if we made what we're after clear enough and why. What everyone needs to do is figure out what do I want and why do I want it? When you've got strong enough clarity what you want, and the why, that's purpose, by the way, why you want it, then how, there's a million hows, and if one doesn't work, another will. You keep changing your approach. And what will help people with this is if I'd really encourage your listeners to also be readers. And I say that because my teacher, Jim Rohn, used to tell me, Tony, if you want to change your life more than anything else, read 30 minutes a day. Not shit that comes to your phone, not clickbait, a book. Something you consciously choose to develop a new skill or a new ability. Or I used to read when I was a little boy, I'd, I'd go out to the library. And I said, little boy, I was like 16, 15, 14. And I'd read biographies because my life was pretty painful. You know, my, my mom was a beautiful soul, but she was biochemically altered by alcohol and prescription drugs. And she was extremely violent during those times. Incredible person. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my mom. And if she'd been the mom I want, I wouldn't be the man I'm proud to be. I learned to become a practical psychologist to deal with her. Mm-hmm. But I was able to deal with that because I go to the library and I read these stories about the lives. And sometimes they wrote it themselves, autobiographies of people. And I don't care if it was a business person or a great man or woman from history. I'd read their stories and I'd start to go, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know how. And they went through so much hell and look what they accomplished. So sometimes we need more role models, not just more people looking at social media and watching people exaggerate what they've accomplished in such a short time. And also, a lot of those people may even have achieved it and maybe for real. 
but are they fulfilled? Because success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. I get the phone calls from the greatest entertainers on earth, the greatest musicians, greatest athletes, greatest actors, unbelievable CEOs, multi-billionaire entrepreneurs. The rarest quality is happiness, right? It's the rarest quality. It's much wow. rarer than being a billionaire. That's amazing. But it's available to anybody the minute you align yourself with a sense of progress and different purposes, but purposes that matter to you. And you make yourself face your fear, grow and give, and the game will unfold. It'll unfold from that security to that sense of pleasure in life, to that sense of truth and even greater purpose to maybe your own true spiritual nature. You know, I bring this back to the point about education. I think to myself and social media and all of this coming full circle, I think to myself the first time I went to one of your seminars, I remember looking around almost suspicious i was you know newly graduated from college and thinking why are these people sharing exactly how they've done these things because to that point my only education was you know sitting in a classroom with hundreds of other students learning about you know philosophy or democracy or or whatever but not about life like not about life secrets and and i remember sitting there thinking like why doesn't the whole world know about this yeah. we can learn from actually other people's mistakes, other people's yes. missteps, that yes. they're willing to say like, okay, here's the roadmap and you want to be careful over here. There's a pothole. Right. And I think that is probably one of the greatest opportunities that we have today, listening to podcasts, audiobooks, doing like a five-day challenge like you're about to start, like to have so many great minds, strategists who are coming together to say like, I'm going to share with you exactly how I did this. Yeah. To me, that has been my secret in my life. I was like, Two ways to learn. My own experience, which is painful and takes years, and you're still going to do some of that. But if there's any way to learn from somebody else who's already succeeded, I can learn the fundamentals in a few hours or a few days or a few weeks or max a few months, not spend decades. And so my whole thing is compressed decades into days. And now that I've been able to do that for, you know, this is my 44th year, now I'm able to do that with other people, but also do it in a way where they're having a good time, they're entertained, but most importantly, they're led to action. Yeah. My whole thing is you let your learning lead to knowledge and become a fool. Jim Rohn used to say that. But if you let your learning lead to action, the world's your oyster. You can serve, create, have the quality of life you want, have the family you want, have the impact in the community or the world that you want. And I think people have caught on. That's why this industry, I don't know if you saw it, but Forbes says that the self-education industry, the information industry right now, I think it's doing $300 million a day. They say it's going to be a billion dollars a year by 2025. Because people are starting to say, I can get this education on my own from someone who's actually done it. Yes. Not somebody's going to talk about it, right? Yes, and share their secrets. So I'm, I'm just really honored, by the way, to be a part of this. It's what I love doing. It's why I you know, do five episodes a week. Because I think once you feel how good it does feel to serve and share yeah. with others, then you just become hellbent on helping people kind of like deprogram for many yeah. people, just years, maybe decades, maybe legacy of this belief that like, I don't deserve more. I can't do more. There's supposed to be something special about me and I don't have that. And I guess that's the last thing I wanted to do is make sure, first of all, to invite people to join us in this challenge because it is remarkable that this many great leaders and strategists yeah. are coming together to share their roadmap. But lastly, to that person who's like, but that's not for me. Like that's our people. We don't do that. Or my family, you know, we're good with this job that we have. I'm happy. I convinced myself I'm happy where I'm at. What message do you have for that person who's feels a little too content? 
well, they're not content or they wouldn't be listening to you right now. <laughs> and I think that's the good news because I think that it's not enough to have passion. You have to develop some hunger. Right? And if you're not satisfied, that's probably the greatest gift. People ask me all the time, like, what's the one single character trait you see in the most successful people on earth? Because I have the privilege of working with so many of them, right? And I have for decades. And I always say, you know, I love intelligence. I love wickedly smart people. And intelligence is an incredible gift. But there are incredibly smart people that can't bite their way out of a paper bag in a practical sense, right? They're just so caught up in their head. So the one superior quality is hunger. Like if you look at a Richard Branson, you look at yourself, you look at me, you look at anyone who has accomplished anything that they are proud of and that others respect. And what do you see? A hunger that doesn't go away. It's not just hunger to get lose weight so you can get into your swimsuit for that, you know, summer party at the beach because that won't last. It's a hunger to be more, to do more, to give more, to share more, to experience the beauty that you experience. I mean, I really want to honor you. If I heard you correctly, it sounds like you've been doing this for nine or 10 years. Is that right? The podcast for nine or 10 years, but yeah, teaching and everything that I know for as long as probably but last 20 years. Week for nine or 10 years. Most people, that is not even close to the amount of effort they put out to serving people. So I, I want to honor you for that kind of dedication because most people overestimate what they're going to do in a year. I used to do that. But they underestimate what they can do in a decade or two or three. And as you know, can you say that again? Can you say that again? Sure. I said most people overestimate what they're going to do in a year. Okay. And then they're disappointed. I used to do this a lot when I was really young. But I underestimated what I could do in a decade or two or three or now four and a half for me almost, right? Or for you, a decade plus. It's like there's an accumulation that happens. So for the person, first of all, it's home and is not hungry. I doubt they're listening to you. But if they were... What they're trying to convince themselves they're content because they don't want to take a risk because they're afraid of the uncertainty of saying, what if I try and I fail? What if I'm not enough? All those fears. But unless you face those fears, you live with them in your unconscious anyway. And life never feels alive. The aliveness is conquering a fear, which doesn't mean you're not afraid. It just means you do it anyway. And I'd say in this case, what do you got to lose? I mean, literally, it's not just me. So you're crystal clear. There's a dozen people that are going to take five days, a few hours a day, and show you from your home how you can go from no idea to your own business. And not only show you, and not just inspire you, but show you how to use some technology that you can do in minutes so that by the end, you could be in business if you wanted to be part-time yeah. every once in a while, full-time. Or if you have a business, you can take it to another level. So the question I have is, why wouldn't you? If they listen to you here, you know, more than once a week, why would they not give themselves a chance to hear you and all these other beautiful people for that time? So, and, and by the way, it is absolutely free. There's no hook and anything else. So what's, what's in it for you? Well, making a difference, what's in it for all these people is some of these people you'll love, want to learn more from and you'll do business with them. But what I love about this model is it adds so much value to you first that if we never see you again, we know we've done something really beautiful and you'll know that too. That's but right. Again, I'm not here to sell you. If you don't have enough hunger to go for three for five days, doing the best, you're probably not going to make it. But if you put yourself in that environment, you're likely to get something to trigger and wake you up a little bit. I think it's amazing that it's free. And I also think it's a bummer that it's free because I believe that when we, we make an investment in ourselves, it kind of holds us financially accountable. So for those people who are like, yeah, it's free. And I'm going to put it on my calendar. Yeah, I'm going to opt in. I'm going to give you an email address. And I, yeah, sure, I'm going to do that free challenge. And then they forget about it. The last thing I want to ask you is what suggestion do you have so that we feel obligated, so that we follow through for ourselves? Because this is priceless. I'd say two things. First of all, I agree with you. And I don't do a bunch of free things. You know, I, I've done these because of COVID. I did one last year and I did one this year. And I'm only doing this one because I want people to have a vehicle, especially during COVID. Like it's one thing to know what to do to improve your life, but it's another to find a vehicle. And that takes specialized insight and skills 
And I think a lot of people think it's much bigger than it can have. And so by doing this, I think we can help a lot of people who are in a really rough place. But when I worked for Jim Rohn, I remember I went to work for him. I, I went to one of his seminars. It was $35 for three hours. That'd be like 200 bucks today. Yeah. And that was, you know, I was making $40 a week as a janitor. And a friend, well, not a friend, a man my family knew told me about this. I was like, I'd like to go there. Can you get me in? And he said, yeah. And he didn't say anything else. I said, well, will you? And he said, no. And I said, why not? He goes, because if you don't pay for it, you won't value it. I said, I'll value it. He goes, no, you won't. So I had to make the decision mm. to go to a three-hour seminar that cost 35 bucks and I'm only making 40 bucks a week. At the time, it was like the biggest decision of my life. But I took notes like a mofo in there because I was going to miss the. And then I went to Jim and I said, loan me the money so I can go to your seminar. So I'll go to work for you. I mean, you know, I'm on my own. My mom kicked my dad out. I'm living in my car. And he said, young man, people get what they have to have. Some people have to survive. Some people have to succeed. Which one are you? You decide. And you'll find a way to get this money. It was $1,200. I had $1,200. My car wasn't $1,200. But I went to bank after bank after bank. I wasn't even 18. Wow. I finally got a banker, this woman, who said, if the bank will loan you the money, I will. She guaranteed it. I got $1,200. I went to the seminar. I remember I met a guy there, Mike Keys is his name, still my friend today, 44 years later. Wow. He was almost as broke as I was. He had enough <laughs> money for a room, so I, he let me stay in his room. <laughs> when when Ron said, I wrote down, Bleh, man, I never peed. I never got up. I mean, I was at the end, and Jim Rohn years later used to start his seminar the same way every time he'd say, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to be here. He goes, I'm really thrilled to have you. I, I really want to do a good job for you tonight because you never know who's in your audience. He goes, I remember years ago, and he Kid, young boy sitting right here, Tony Robbins, he told the story. He told a story about me and my keys, and we were two of the most broke guys who made sure every dollar was there. So that is the downside of a freebie. And it's <laughs> not a freebie. It's designed to just get you on the journey. But what I'd say is, think of it this way. When you talk about stuff, it's a dream. It might feel good. When you envision it, it's exciting. When you plan it, it's possible. When you schedule it, it's real. Until you lock your calendar, do things at a certain time, it's bullshit. It's not going to happen. So my encouragement to you is if this appeals to you, and it may not, but if it does appeal to you, then get it on your calendar, lock it in, set the alarm, book it as a meeting with yourself so nothing else interrupts so that you gave your chance to get this. And at the end of it, you might say, well, these are great tools I'll use working for somebody else. Or you might say, wow, I just built a, a business in five days that I could start a little bit of time. Or you could say, I got a business, I took it to another level. That's what the intent of all this is. But again. It's not for everybody. So you decide if it's worthwhile for you. But if it is, that's a lock it in for your schedule. I love that. I guess I would also suggest inviting. Don't just invite anybody. Invite that yeah. person that you know, they never freaking flake and they come for yeah. you when you do. Invite that person. That's a great idea because also then you're, you'll have somebody to bounce off of afterwards. You know, somebody yeah. you know. Process. So inviting a friend or two or three that you know are good people, I think would be a great thing to do as well. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity to be a part of this and to extend that to my audience. We're super grateful. And I just can't even tell you what an honor it has been to spend this uh, moment with you today. Thank you very much. Keep doing your beautiful work. Love to you and to your whole audience. I know they're committed humans looking to make their life better so they can give more to others. And that, that's what life is really about. So I, I salute everybody. Awesome. And we'll see you soon. All right. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was crazy powerful and so cool. and. It's crazy. I had like this long list of questions to ask him. And just as I was about to interrupt and ask the next question, he would, it was like he was reading my mind and he would kind of like go right into that next piece. And I think that's part of Tony's intuition and his gift. If I can just like be really honest with you right now, that was so cool. This was like such a cool, fun thing for me to do. Like, I don't know. I think I've told you guys, 
I am such an even person. Like somebody could pull up to my house tomorrow and say like, here's a brand new car and a million dollars. And then someone would say, are you excited? And I'd be like, yeah, like it's weird. Tiny little strange things like a new pair of roller skates get me excited, but I've always been this way. I'm a pretty cool cucumber. I don't get really low. I don't get really high, but I got to tell you, that was pretty cool. That was a pretty fun deal. And to think that now I get to do this with you like for five days, starting on Monday, May 11th, I just, I'm over the moon. So don't miss this opportunity. I mean, like Tony said, what do you have to lose? Here's how you sign up. Like right now, while you're listening, just open up your browser on your phone or your desktop or wherever you're listening. Open up a browser and go to ownit24.com. Again, it's ownit24.com. You enter your email address. You ping a friend and say, you're doing this with me and you're done. All right, let's do this. We start on Monday.